Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name's Melvin, and I have to pee every 20 minutes. to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian movie podcast where we sit at the table of cinema and eat. Tonight we'll be dining on David Sandberg's Shazam. An interesting tidbit before we get started, David Sandberg started to make a name for himself with a series of horror short films, most notably his crown jewel, Lights Out. A little over three minutes, this short thrill really is something special, and it was popular enough to spawn its own full-length feature. Following Lights Out, Sandberg had the pleasure of directing Annabelle Creation, of course, whether that's a pleasure is up for debate. Even so, Sandberg specializes in horror, and I think that's a good groundwork for better understanding what makes Shazam both exciting and a little bizarre at times. Starring Zachary Levi, Jack Dylan Grazer, and Asher Angel, Shazam comes off the success of Aquaman and doubles down on excitement and fun, while also introducing a sense of heart into the DC Universe, because Lord knows there wasn't one. Other than seeing a bit of Sandberg's roots in Shazam, I think most adults watching this film will return to a time when Amblin films were a dime a dozen, where kids go on impossible adventures and real evil seeks to threaten their very lives. But for those who don't know a single thing about Shazam, Billy Batson's another punk kid living in Philadelphia, but things change when he's given the power of Shazam. But what kind of powers are they other than turning into Zachary Levi? Is he super fast? Can he fly? What about bulletproof? All of these things Billy investigates with his newfound foster friend, Freddy, as the two come to terms with Billy's new powers. Shazam is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of action, language, and suggestive material. I think the best way to describe the content of this film is to imagine an early 2000s superhero film. In other words, the violence is tame, but the villain is quite horrifying. And regarding suggestive material, there are some crass jokes pioneering off what a teenager might find accessible now that he's an adult. All these jokes are brief and thematically tasteful, so there isn't much visually to be worried about. That said, some parents may want to read the IMDb Parents Guide. But running off that idea, I think it's a little funny that Shazam feels like a time capsule. And I don't mean dated like Venom was. The things Venom did, both narratively and visually, felt like something we'd all want to forget about in the 2000s. While Shazam feels most like Raimi's Spider-Man films. That isn't to say we're rehashing similar motives, because I think Shazam remains fresh due to its small nature. The story isn't some sort of big hero needs to stop the evil guy from destroying the world. It's something less complicated and honestly more engaging than that. Speaking of, I think most kids will find Shazam engaging, considering Billy is literally a kid who becomes a superhero. I remember growing up wanting to be like Batman, which anyone in their right mind knows is horribly naive and downright stupid. I mean, it would make so much more sense and honestly be safer to want to be Superman. But now we have a hero who is so closely tied to the medium in such a meta way that it seems written entirely around the idea. On top of that creative twist of the genre, Shazam is just downright hilarious. I was amazed at how much I was laughing, and even now I think about some scenes and think to myself, boy, that was just really clever. Henry Gaiden is credited as the writer for Shazam, and his brilliance just maximizes everything you can do with a 14-year-old turned superhero. I mean, practically speaking, if your 14-year-old son could magically turn into an adult superhero, what do you think he would do first? Try and save someone, or go to the closest grocery store and buy some beer? 
And on that note, has Sandberg ever been to Philadelphia? I don't know about you, but I've never seen a 7-Eleven carry any beer. But that's beside the point. Unfortunately, it takes a while to get into the clever bits. Yet, it's impressive how much Gaiden's creativity and Sandberg's pacing helps to carry out such a high-concept idea. I mean, Shazam is basically big, except instead of turning into Tom Hanks, Billy turns into a superhero. And the two of them knew this from the start, which is why you have one of the most obvious but enjoyable gags referencing Big. But while comedy is just good fun, I think there's a bit of confusion when regarding the tone of this film. Although I've heard others say they felt the tone was pretty consistent, I actually found myself quite surprised at some of the choices made. I'll start by saying that I'm not adverse to tossing in shocking moments in a film that's filled with levity, as I think moments like these are important when emphasizing threat. Edgar Wright has this down to a T with his films, and I think anyone who's watched Baby Driver or Hot Fuzz would agree. But this is where comparisons to Spider-Man 2 probably come to mind. Raimi comes from a horror background, and that's present in his films. Sandberg does virtually the same thing, and I'd be curious if it's a matter of him seeking to imitate what works so well, or if he read the script and just simply envisioned these scenes as he normally would envision them, like horror scenes. And yet, as I think back to those frightening moments in Shazam, I wonder if maybe my initial shock was just nothing more than that, just shock. I mean, the movie's opener is quite the gamble. I won't detail much further than saying it just falsely sets the tone for the film, and I feel like that was just a huge misstep. I mean, I just found myself going, oh, yikes, we're gonna start the story this way? Which, tonally speaking, Shazam initially comes off as such a mixed bag. I think this is largely because the villain does seem incredibly threatening. Although I was largely more interested in the big-esque storyline of the film as opposed to the superhero fights bad guy part, I can see the merit behind the narrative choices in Shazam, and maybe you'll find them a bit more enjoyable than I did. I think this is what made the end of the film so difficult for me. Not because it was a mess or because it had done anything I was just uh, totally against. Shazam isn't offensive or anything. No, I just think the film was choosing between being a superhero film and being a film about a kid who becomes an adult superhero. I preferred the latter film over the former and would be more interested in seeing a longer version focusing on that rather than just another superhero flick. But perhaps the biggest disappointment is simply not seeing more of Zachary Levi and Jack Dylan Grazer's chemistry. And that's just me straight up complaining because honestly, there's enough of it in this film. I just want more. First off, boy, can Grazer act. He was pretty good in 2017's It, but this is a completely different kind of performance. From occasional improv to simply wonderful interpretations of the script, it's impressive how real he plays his character. I think if there's at least one takeaway in all of this, it's that everyone should be watching this kid's career. And Zachary Levi has a blast playing a 14-year-old kid as well. It's honestly amazing, and I think it's what most people will keep coming back to when it comes to Shazam. What isn't amazing is how little some of the supporting characters get in terms of narrative value. Shazam sometimes seeks to really give a voice to surrounding characters, yet we don't really know a lot about the characters in Billy's vicinity, and I think this is ultimately taking away from the finished product. The hardest thing here is that the film already feels a little long-winded, especially with the third act, and I can't see how it would have given more characters more lines without testing anyone's patience. I mean, the only reason Endgame can get away with a three-hour runtime is because it's put work into it. Meanwhile, DC is over here begging for everyone to give them one more chance. Suffice to say, Shazam is worth your time, but if you're taking your kids, maybe stick to 10 and up. Otherwise, go grab a ticket. I think I'll be heading back to see it again, too. It's good fun, and it'd be cool to engage with the nuanced performances of Levi and Grazer. And with that, thank you so much for listening, and if you've already seen Shazam, what did you think of it? Let me know by email, cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com, or check me out on Facebook at Cinematic Doctrine. 
And if you'd like to see my rating for this film or others, check out my letterbox at Paraturtle, where I'll also have a list of all the films we've covered in Cinematic Doctrine with a direct Spotify link to those episodes. I also enjoy writing from time to time, so if you'd like to read some of my stories or any of my works in progress, check me out on Wattpad at Paraturtle. All this will be available in the description if you so need it. Next week, we'll be covering Neil Marshall's Hellboy. Until then, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.